Addressing the general council, which is uh, kind of the big event of the year. This was down in Orlando this year. It moves from year to year. Uh, this year it was in Orlando, Florida. And that's where all the grand poobahs of the Assemblies of God meet. <clears throat> and they have great guest speakers. And this year they had Melissa Alfonso speak to... Uh, did I say it right? Alfaro, I'm sorry. Melissa Alfaro spoke. And the message that she gave, she titled it, Relation Slips. Relation Slips. Her message that was recorded by Dan Van Veen, it gave three areas that she felt the church needed to focus on in order to restore the necessary relationships that she coyly called Relation Slips. And these were our relationship with God, right? Uno. With our church family, those and with the next generation. Sace? Trace. I knew somebody knew it. I should know it. Uno, dos, trace. Cuatro, cinco, seis. So relationships are a necessary part of our life. How many would say amen? From the very beginning with Adam and Eve, where God created man. And then he looked at him and he said, <laughs> It's not good for man to be alone. I don't know if that's because the man just, he'd probably die without a woman. Right? I don't know if that's what God was thinking, but for whatever reason, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And then he formed Eve from his rib. What that says to me is really quite simple. No man should live by himself on an island. We're not intended to live like a hermit. We're not intended to live alone. People who are loners, and this is my experience, are typically dysfunctional. We challenge each other. We, we sharpen each other. We help each other to learn how to be emotional. And that's a good thing. And we also need to pass these relationships on to our children and our grandchildren. You know, I said that I'm going to miss her. And, yeah, she fell asleep in Meemaw's arms. Meemaw was a rock this week. I'd try to get her, and, and then Meemaw would come in. I finally got a hug out of her just before we left this morning. Kids have to be taught how to be relational. That's our job. And these personal relationships are intended to strengthen our emotions and our egos. And I believe God designed them that way on purpose. How many can say amen to that? So with that said, we need to understand that these relationships are fragile. How many still hang out with people that you used to hang out with when you were a kid? Two, three of you? Four? Five? Oh, yeah, you're still a kid. Sorry. You're, you're almost there. Six. All right, stop it. Don't ruin my, my point. <laughs> That's how it always goes. No, what happened? You know, people grew up. People changed. People moved on. Or maybe that relationship somehow became toxic. Hello? I know when I met Jesus... I lost all kinds of friends. We all change. 
Relationships are fragile. You and I have an opportunity to share what God's given us. If he's given you something. I mean, you've got to go there first. That's why God first. And we'll t- get to that in just a minute. But did you know that the church was put in place so that you'd have a place to exercise your faith and your love, your caring, your kindness? We're like the proving ground so that when you get out there, you know how to do it. How are you doing with that? Have you ever noticed that when a marriage relationship begins to weaken, it seems that either the man or the woman, one or the other, starts doing things a little different, you know, do their hair up, change the way they dress, who they hang out with sometimes, even who they are. And then one day, the death knell, I want a divorce. You say, well, that could never happen to us. Trust me, if you just look around this room, at least half of us have been there, done that. How does it happen? Though complicated, the simple answer is that that relationship had somehow become neglected. It's like putting on a good pair of shoes or slippers. I finally went and bought a new pair of slippers the other day because the pair I was wearing were worn out. But they were so comfortable. I took them for granted. And then I realized they're filthy. I needed new ones. And I'm not suggesting that you do that with your spouse. They're not a slipper, okay? It's not where I was going with that thought. Don't make that connection. Sometimes you pick up little cues. You you see things that are happening in your relationship. Your relationship needs immediate CPR. And I I quickly uh, put this together CPR is to communicate incorrect. So ask the question, what's wrong? (laughs) Hello? That's part one. Part two, protect it. You know, when you're married to somebody, it needs protection because the enemy wants nothing less than to destroy that relationship because it was designed by God. And the third part of it is repent. If you've done something silly, something stupid, something sinful, repent of it, ask that person to forgive you, and then move on. CPR. In her message, El Faro described it as one by one, strand by strand, in vital relationships, as they begin to become unraveled, and then... It's too late, she stated. But then she emphasized this. She said, relationships are a vital part of who we are and what we do as the body of Christ. Do you agree with that? Do you have relationships with the people in this room? Do you know anybody here personally? If not, I'm encouraging you. Listen, it's not easy to be a part of a church. Because we're all different. Man, I, I look at us. If, if you just compared me and Jeff, 
We are so different. And that's God's design. It'd be boring if we were all exactly the same. And I love that homogenous atmosphere that you find in church. And God designed us this way. All right? You're not supposed to be anybody different. But when you come into a church and you get to know these people, sometimes it it gets a little bit uncomfortable. It's not always easy being friends with people at church, or anywhere else for that matter, but specifically I'm talking today about church. Because this is who God challenges us to be. Friends. Family. Look at your neighbor and say, you're family. Pastor Roger, you haven't said it in a while, but you used to say this quite a bit. After service today, ask somebody to go to lunch and then pay for it. Or take them home and feed them, whatever. I love that. Not because you're going to do that necessarily, but it's, it's the idea behind it. To build that family relationship. All right, what we're doing this afternoon, we're doing it as a church family. We're going out there to show these state police and their families that this is what church is and does. We're not a bunch of weirdos. Well, some of us are, but we're not a bunch of weirdos. Church is fun. We love each other. And they need that. They may not admit it yet, but they do. They need that. Hallelujah. Whether your spouse, your children, your church family, even God, if you aren't always working on keeping the flame lit, eventually the other person is going to call it quits with you. Now, God won't, right? He'll never call it quits, and we'll get to that. That's my first point. But So is there a way out for those that might see the writing on the wall? That's my next part of this. And I say, yes, there is. But there's no time to waste. All right? You ready for this? Part one. I already said it. Most important is your relationship with your Heavenly Father. You all know that, right? Did you know God wants to be your friend? The psalmist wrote, The Lord is a friend to those who fear Him. He teaches them His covenant. God wants to share everything about Himself with you. He wants you to have that personal relationship with Him. And all it requires is that you respect Him enough to develop that type of relationship with Him. When you have a healthy respect for the Lord, He calls you friend. And who doesn't want to be a friend with God? Right? Here's the thing. Unlike human friends, God will never turn His back on you. And of course, the Scriptures, you know them. I'll never fail you. I will never abandon you. And that was first found in Deuteronomy 31. So if God never, if He'll never leave us nor forsake us, why should we be concerned with that relationship? Why should we worry about it? God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forget you. It isn't He that's going to leave us, but we end up leaving Him. I've watched this over and over and over. We're the ones that turn our backs on Him. Throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites kept what? Turning their backs on God, doing their own thing, raising up their own idols, people, images that didn't even mean anything. And they would worship them over God. How stupid. And listen, I'm not calling them stupid. That's a stupid thing we do. We still do it today. 
We get too busy with work, with ministry, with family, with hobbies, and so on. There's no time left for the most important relationship that you and I should be in. In the Old Testament, the Israelites failed in this over and over and over. And they call it, in the Bible, idolatry. All right? Say that with me. Idolatry. Oh, come on. Idolatry. I want you to get this in your heart today. Not the idolatry part, but just the definition. A simple definition of idolatry is when anything takes priority over something or someone else. So what in your life takes priority over God? Even my granddaughter can't take priority over my relationship with him. My relationship with my spouse can't take priority. With my ministry, can't take priority. If I love my ministry more than God, that has become an idol. Our work, family, hobbies, priorities, nothing should take priority over God. Go back to Alfaro's quote. She said, but one by one, strand by strand, vital relationships begin to become unraveled, and then it's too late. And Alfaro then urged, guard your heart in seasons of busyness so they do not lead you into a relation slip with God, end quote. And then she shared that Christians sacrifice relationships in order to accomplish their busyness. What's more important, our family or our work? If you quit tomorrow, your work's going to go on. If you quit your family tomorrow, there's going to be issues. We often don't see it coming, distancing ourselves from the Lord. The Holy Spirit sees it, and He does try to warn us, but we're preoccupied, too preoccupied to do anything about it. We miss the cues, and the next thing we know, Sunday worship is no longer important to us. Our prayer and our devotional life ends up on life support. You know what I'm saying? Anybody been there and would admit it? I have. How many know that when you let this go, this one relationship, it's only a matter of time before all the other relationships begin to go as well? We need God's love. We need Him to pour back into us. We need to go to Him as those streams of living waters and get refreshed, infilled, so that we can go back out there and do life like He's called us to do. But unless He fills you up, you've got nothing to give. And you're going to be running on empty. When our relationship with Jesus is in jeopardy, all other relationships are on shaky ground. That's the first point. Second, our relationship with our family. You need to tend to these relationships. And I'm talking about your church family here. All right? How many have a garden of some type? Any kind, chili garden, flower garden. Did it plant itself? Once you put the seed or the plant in the ground, what do you have to do? Water it. Fertilize it. How about protect it? How many protect your flowers or your plants? This was my house. Beautiful hostas that Cheryl gave us. 
We planted them. They looked beautiful. They were doing great. Our flowers and plants never do great. And one day I heard my dog growling at the, at the screen door, and I'm like, what is it? shut up. Quit growling. I'm trying to study. And he kept doing it, and, and I didn't realize what was going on. And my wife came home, and she goes, Norm, what happened? Did you cut the flowers? Can you see them? Stupid deer walked up on my deck and foraged on my hostas, and they all look so beautiful. The dog was barking at it, and it didn't even care. I didn't protect him. If I realized that it was out there, I would have shooed it off. The same is true with your family relationships with church people. It takes time, it takes energy, but it'll bear much fruit, and it should be enjoyable while you tend to it. Can I get a good amen? Amen. And if you're one who thinks, well, I don't need anyone from the church to be a part of my life, I'm, I'm doing just fine on my own. And you know what? That might be true. You might be. But it only shows how little you know about Jesus and what He expects from His followers. If you want to bless God, you need to be a part of the family business. Hello? Jesus was. We need to be too. And that means using your gifts and your talents to make sure the kingdom of God grows. That's our purpose. When you become a part of a solid church family, and listen, if you're not from Gaylord, wherever you live, you need to find a local church that you can participate in. Become a a part of that family. And you're becoming... You do things that are so much bigger than yourself when you join a team like this. It's God's plan for each one of us. I like to call this the exponential factor. Because when you take the talents that you have and you combine them with the talents that you have and you have and you have, bigger things end up happening. God does miraculous things with our gifts and our talents. The the exponential factor takes place when we combine all our talents together in the local church setting. And by God's grace, He does the amazing. And Mac and Karen, you guys are going to be missed, but I know you're going to find a local body down in the Onondaga area that needs your gifts and your talents. And they're going to be blessed to have you. This is their last Sunday, by the way. Doggone rascals are moving. Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16, 18, I have this behind me. I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Who's building the church? Jesus. It's not even our responsibility. All we need to do is show up. How simple is that? To take what God's already given you and use it to His glory. How cool is that? And He said, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, will not prevail against it. The church is what's going to usher in the kingdom of God. In that prayer, that little prayer Jesus said, pray this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's the next part? 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. It's our job to usher heaven in. You and I were never called to serve or work alone. It's not healthy. Just like the missionaries, they need our prayers, they need our financial support. The local church needs your prayers, your financial support. Your talents, your gifts. When we come in here and, and, and a team shows up like they did today and they worship God with us and they play their instruments as unto the Lord. Listen, that didn't happen by chance. Those people spent hours working on developing their skills. So they actually sound good when they come together. All of us need to find our place. Without you, there is a gap, a hole, a position that needs to be filled. Without you, the tapestry is incomplete. You and I help make up the body of Christ. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. Get that? One what? Whole body. The many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. So that if you haven't found your place, you're missing. You are a missing part. And this church isn't finished until God assembles all the pieces. That's us. You and me. We make the body whole. When I was a younger man, in my early 20s, working at GM, I, I amputated the end of my finger. Now, it doesn't look like much. Can you see the difference from out there where you're at? If you don't need binoculars. But I'm missing about a half inch. Now, it hurt when I did it. They had to take skin grafts off my side to pack it back in there. But let me tell you something. You wouldn't think a half inch of finger would mean that much, but when it's your index finger, I can still point. And the boys, the boys hated it when I did this. But I tried to play the guitar. I used to be able to pick. <laughs> yeah. Try that with a stub finger. It makes a difference. When someone in the body of Christ is missing, it's felt. We may not understand what we're missing, but we know something or someone is not where they should be. If that's you, we need you. And it changes how functional we are when specific pieces are missing. And Listen, you might think, well, I'm just such a tiny little piece of the puzzle. There are a lot of little tin, tiny pieces of the puzzle and if a bunch of them are missing, there's holes. We've got 260 chairs in here right now that we could fill. How many are empty? We've got 40 more we can bring in here if we need them. Let's see this body whole. Take your place in the kingdom. Now hear this. You may not think you're important, but you are. You may not even know what your place is in the body of Christ, but if you seek the Lord, He'll show you. 
And by putting yourself out there, and listen, I said this already, sometimes putting yourself out there, doing some things, might be a little bit uncomfortable. That's okay. Sometimes you got to get a little uncomfortable to do the right thing. Right? Aaron, did you come up here today just full of confidence and, yeah, I get to do the offering. Were you a little nervous or anything? A little uncomfortable? You did a great job, though. I hope you don't mind me picking on you, but it's going to happen a lot more as you step into these positions. Sometimes it takes us to put ourselves in places we might not even want to be. But if you'll do it, if everybody finds his or her place, the local church begins to thrive. Sheesh. I'm going to wrap it up quick. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Read verse 12 again. It's, it's highlighted. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Listen, when you're asked to serve, don't shoot the messenger. All right? It's our job. That's what we're called to do. Do you see that? And sometimes people get so... They get so frisky, the hair comes up on the back of their neck. Like, what do you want me to do? I don't want to do that. It's like, come on, all I ask you to do is open a door before the service for crying out loud. It's okay. We need people that are smiling and friendly up there anyway. If that's not your place, find one that is. Because there's something for you to do. Young and old alike. I don't care if you're close to Methuselah's age. They're still, he was the guy that was, what, 900? You're not that old, so you got a ways to go. Now listen to the result if everybody finds their place. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. Everybody say Amen. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Everybody say amen. amen. We will not be influenced when people to try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Everybody say amen. amen. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Verse 16, he makes, who makes it? Jesus. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. I love that part. As each part does its own special work. See, you have something special to do. I do too. It helps the other parts grow. When we all find our place, it helps the others grow. That's what he's saying here. So that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Isn't that what we're after? That's what it means to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Right there, that last sentence. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what we're supposed to be to each other. Hallelujah. By the way, and, and this is where I just say, and I'm kind of skipping some stuff here. I hope that's all right. 
if you don't know where you're supposed to be and you need some help, talk to me. Talk to one of the leaders. I would be happy to sit down with you and figure out where you would fit in the body. Okay? The final point that Melissa made came from a reference to King Uzziah. Don't let your relations slip with the next generation. She made a reference to King Uzziah, who he started out good. In fact, for about half his career, he did really great as king. And then the last half, he got sidetracked. And he stopped doing the things that God wanted him to do. Now, the first effect was for his son, Yotham. Yotham, he didn't turn his back on God. He just quit going into the temple because he saw what his dad did, and he didn't want any part of that. How many kids are turned off to a relationship with Jesus because of how you have left them? It wasn't bad enough that Yotham stopped going to church. But then he had a son. His name was Ahaz. <laughs> How many remember Ahaz? You know what God said about Ahaz? Second Chronicles 28. I'm just reading the first view. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, young king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. He did not do what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord as his ancestor David had done. So David led the way but then all these other kings happened, and here he ends up being a king who did evil in the sight of the Lord. Instead, verse 2, he followed the example of the kings of Israel. He cast metal images for the worship of Baal. He offered sacrifice in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, even sacrificing oh, his own sons in the fire. My Lord, is that even possible? A king sacrificing, thinking that, oh, hey, you know what? I, you know what sounds good to me today? Hey, why don't we go sacrifice our kids in the fire? Maybe that'll bring a blessing. Hoo -hoo. That's how bad it was. He did detestable practices, pagan nations, the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. Listen, if you want your children to follow the Lord, they must see you following the Lord. I've already talked about my granddaughter this last week, two years old. And you wouldn't think that they're all that impressionable, but man, they are like a sponge. And Mima, Pastor Barb, spent precious time with her. Every opportunity she had, she got up with her early. And immediately after she got up, had her little snack or bottle in the morning, Barb started worshiping the Lord, singing. And I could hear them from my bedroom singing. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. My little granddaughter mimicking Mimo. Oh, that's leaving a legacy. That's showing our grandchildren what it means to serve the Lord. El Faro said that whether it is to be a spiritual mother or father, a relationship has the potential to cast a shadow on future generations, as we saw with Ahaz. If you're over 30, it is your responsibility, my responsibility, to become a mentor to our young people. 
like these young men sitting over here in the front row. So that if they have a question about life or about God or the Bible, they have someone that they can come to. And let me say this, if you don't, someone will. Our children will become like the ungodly heathen if we don't invest in them and show them the way. Show them what it means to serve Christ. This verse has always scared me, and I'm going to close with this. Judges 2.10. Sorry. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things He had done for Israel. I'd like to suggest today that we're close. We're close to seeing that. Whole generations growing up without the Lord. Haven't even heard of Him. It's our responsibility not to let that relationship slip. Our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, they're, they're too precious to us, to God. So let's do what's right. Let's show them the way. Amen? So wrapping it up, don't let these three relationships slip. Would you stand with me? Stay tight with God. Love your brothers and sisters in the Lord enough to serve. Leave a godly legacy behind. Be a spiritual mentor. That's a lot in a little time. I kind of threw that at you quick. But I feel like it's, it's the heart of God. And He's saying, listen, you know, we, we can't be playing anymore. The times are, are too serious. When I see that some young man went out and put body armor on and shot up 100, pe- 100 plus people, killing many, why? Because they didn't have a mentor. They didn't know who God was because if they had, they wouldn't have done what they did. We got to do better, church. People need a place to go to find hope. And I think this is one of them. Father, you, you know every person in this room Scripture says you've counted the hairs on our heads. You've numbered them. Lord, it's my prayer today for every person here that they would recognize these three very important relationships and not let them slip. Number one with you, Lord. If they're not right with you, let this be the day that they choose you again. That they say, Lord, Have your way with me. Forgive me for my backsliding and help me, Lord, to live for you, to put you first in my life again. If you don't have a relationship with this church family or a church family, it's my prayer today that God would just convince you of this need. And not just selfishly for you, although there is benefit for you, 
but also for the building of the church because we need you. Don't ever think the church doesn't need me. They got it all covered. We just put on a good facade. We have holes. And finally, our kids. How important are they? Today we honored four teachers who've been pouring themselves into the the elementary kids. And by the way, Sarah Doodles, that's not her last name. It's Coonrod, in case you wondered. Uh, She's just a sweet girl, and and she loves kids. She's going to be an elementary teacher eventually. And uh, we have her here working with our kids. They love our kids. They are leaving a legacy. And you can do the same individually. Maybe with your own family, maybe with neighbor kids. I love some of our people that have been bringing their neighbors' kids to church. How awesome is that? You are going to receive such a blessing from the Lord someday. Thank you for that. How to close. Lord, help us to dwell on this this week and then to do what's right. We love you. Lord, bind us together with those cords of love. Don't let us, Lord, get away from you, from a a, a loving church family. Don't let us get away from the responsibility that you've given us to raise up the next generation. Lord, use us as you see fit. For those that don't know where they belong, every head bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today, do you say, yeah, that's me. I, I just don't know. I'm not calling anybody out. This is between you and the Lord. If that's you, lift your hand up real quick. Yep. Others? Yep. Thank you. You can put them down. Lord, you saw the hands, and I I just pray that you would confirm with them what you're calling them to do, to find their place. And for those that still aren't plugged in, but Lord, they didn't raise their hand. Help them to see the validity to this message, how important they are to your kingdom. Finally, Lord, I pray for those of us who are mentoring. Help us to be faithful models, not like King Uzziah who let it go, Lord. He blew it. Help us not to be like him, but rather, Lord, to be like Jesus, to be like Paul, Peter, those that led, truly led, as servants of the Most High God. Help us to be that servant, we pray. And we conclude this service today, Lord, with the fact that we all love you, We love you, and we want to serve you well. When that day comes that you call us home, we want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I pray that each one of us would hear that someday. Now keep us as we come and go. Bless this afternoon as we spend time with the troops, those who are going out there. And Lord, again, just use us. You are the potter, we are the clay. Shape us, Lord, as you desire. And we commit this church, the family of Mount Hope, into your hands. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.